0: Hello and welcome to Duck Blind. I'm Jill Schroeder and this is our second podcast from Grey Duck Gallery here in Austin, Texas. We're doing this podcast to give you a little background on our upcoming exhibition and the artists behind the work. Our next show in the back gallery is the Eyes Got It winner, David Alcantar. And the name of his exhibition is Continually the Unnameable Moves On. And it will be by appointment on August 7th through August 23rd. So, listeners, um, if you hear uh, cicadas and birds and traffic, um, all three of us are outside in the back courtyard of the gallery, um, socially distancing and keeping everything safe. So that's why you have a lovely environmental background noise. (laughs) Hi, David. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So, um, before we talk about the show, I'm wondering if you could just talk about yourself a little bit and um, what inspires you as an artist.
1: Okay, so I'm a native Texan. I was born in Laredo, Texas, and then I moved up to San Antonio in about early 80s when I was five years old. So, San Antonio is really the place that I will call home. Um, I still have a bunch of family in Laredo, though, so I need to go back and see them and visit with them and stuff. Um, I did come to Austin uh, for undergrad at UT and then that was in, uh, I graduated in 2000 from UT and then almost immediately after that I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder um, and I was there until 2004 and then I came back to San Antonio, Texas in 2005 and so I've been there ever since Um, and in terms of what motivates me as an artist, I've always been... A believer that art appeals to or speaks to what is universal in human experience more than to what is particular. So I, I've really spent my time, both as a student and now as a professional artist, really trying to um, figure out how to talk about that. Like, what is the one issue that addresses that that universality, but that isn't so vague that it gets lost? I tested out a bunch of things in undergrad and the graduate school. And they didn't quite fit. Even if they were universal ideas, ideas held by the plurality of people, they didn't quite fit or conform for everybody. Um, and so the one idea that I did land on well after after I graduated from graduate school um, was this notion of negotiation behavior. Uh, everybody, regardless of anything about them, regardless of their income level, regardless of their their race, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of anything about them, everybody has to negotiate. And I found that to be incredibly fascinating. Um, But more importantly, not everybody is aware of the fact that of what they're negotiating for or how they're negotiating for it. And so I've spent the past few years trying to make work that talks about that, that educates people about uh, negotiation behavior, uh, mostly because it isn't a visual activity. It's a very internalized activity, this thing of negotiating one's position in life. And so how can we make work or how can I make work that reveals that, that activity? And it's been a very, very challenging, but I think it's a really interesting challenge. And so that's what I've been working on for uh, a while now. And it's, it's manifested in different forms. The The work that's in the gallery is, is one format in which it manifest this idea of negotiation but i also have these two other projects that also talk about negotiation but they look very different so that's where i'm at
0: so so in this show the works consist of uh, a number of recurring elements so there's arrows decision fans which was a new term i didn't know that (laughs) before i met you um tables and text so, can you kind of talk about what made you decide on those elements? And then I have a follow up question after that. <laughs> sure.
1: So, the arrows themselves, I'll start from like the most practical to the most metaphorical or poetic. The arrows themselves are very practical in that, in a negotiation, there is this uh, direction of information. Or direction of exchange. If we're talking about negotiating parties, then you know you have these. Whether it's two or more parties, you have this exchange of information and exchange of ideas, um, concerns that are uh, going back and forth. Right. So it seemed very obvious to me to use uh, arrows as a means by which to uh, visualize. That, at that activity, of directing this idea towards uh, whatever party is involved in the negotiation, but then after that, the decision fan, is, which is what I call it, in thinking about a person or a party and that moment of choice, you have these options in front of you, and each option takes your trajectory into a different direction. And so it seemed to me that the image of a fan. Not like an oscillating fan for the listeners, but more like a, an Asian fan. If you imagine the unfolding of an Asian fan and one fanning themselves, these uh, decision fans kind of look like that. And so the tips of these fans point in different directions. And when you follow the points of these tips, then it can very dramatically lead you into a completely different direction than had you decided on this other option on the other side of the fan so hopefully that is a little bit clear for people the tables uh, when we think about negotiation the image of a table seems to be a pretty obvious choice a negotiation table and so i use that as a as a metaphor for that context in which that activity takes place and when i have multiple tables piled on top of each other then I use that as a metaphor for multiple negotiations happening simultaneously so that's kind of an explanation of all the the imagery
0: so those are all very straightforward images but you also put on top of it you know very like watercolor colors and um, shading and and you give it like more of a organic feel to it Um, is there a decision process between the colors you're choosing which are Would you describe like pastel and bright? Yeah, and the shading. Like how do you decide what colors to use and
1: well I think a lot of it is uh determined by my desire to make the drawings or the artworks not quite so diagrammatic and formal in that way. Yeah, Um, they
0: do seem more organic.
1: Yeah. I want them to be painterly. I'm a I'm a painter, I'm a, a draftsman, so the gesture is something that I really, really like but obviously I can't get too gestural, particularly in the smaller pieces, because then it takes away from the diagrammatic aspects that I do want the audience to come away with. So, yeah, there's a, a, a balance that I'm trying to achieve by having some geometry, very specific geometry to the drawings, but also having some uh, very natural, organic uh, gestural mark making in those pieces as well.
0: So how, how has... Um all of the turmoil um, in the world right now, pandemic um, protests, how has that affected the work that we're seeing?
1: Well, it infiltrated, I want to say it was is pretty slow. The Again, the idea of the decision fans was something that I've had since the beginning. But then when the pandemic happened and everybody went into lockdown, we're all isolating from each other and we're very practically making decisions about, how much risk we're willing to, to involve ourselves in. Um, the, the idea of, of deciding where to go, what activity to do, seemed to be something that I, that I should talk about. And so I, I m- made some of these works specifically in reaction to what's happening right now. But ultimately, it's just about decision-making in general. We all have to make these choices, and there are consequences to these choices. And what those consequences are are going to pull us into either one trajectory or another. And that's kind of, kind of what I'm trying to convey.
0: So I noticed on some of them, one of them I read, the calming the mind, or like, in in order await the disorder, anger can revert to happiness. It seems very... Buddhist, or yeah,
1: yeah, that piece specifically is taken from um, Sun Tzu and the art of war. And so, again, in thinking about warfare, uh, any kind of military positioning, um, there is this choice and consequence. Uh, in the case of warfare, of course, you have the very real consequence of taking lives, either the enemy's lives or your, the lives of, of your own army. So, the uh, decision is, is a weighty one. And right now, of course, we are uh, in our own war, if you will, quote unquote, as the president likes to say, (laughs) with the (laughs) invisible enemy. And there's a very real possibility that if you make this decision to go to X place, that consequence could be your undoing or the undoing of one of your loved ones and you just don't know right, right so right. there's a very real choice that each of us has to make right now and again a lot of this decision making that we make a lot of the consequences are largely invisible but doesn't it doesn't mean that they're not not impactful or they're not substantial and so again i'm trying to to bring shine a light on the magnitude of the decisions that we make seemingly small ones, but could lead to very large consequences if we don't think that far ahead.
0: Yes. You could apply that to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Universal. We've come to, (laughs) um, is there anything else you want listeners to know about the show before we wrap up?
1: Well, there's, I think one important aspect and that is there's a, a, one or two pieces in the show that specifically reference Jorge Luis Borges, who is the magical realist writer uh, Argentine. And those pieces, I think, encapsulate most what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, Those pieces specifically reference the short story The Garden of Forking Paths. And in that story, there is this um, maze. There's uh, the idea of a maze that... I don't want to give away the story. So, so there's this maze, but it also talks about uh, parallel timelines or parallel existences and how in one timeline we are the way that we are right now, but in another timeline we are very similar but slightly different so yeah i would recommend to viewers to read that short story it's actually very short and in doing so you you i think you get a a much better understanding of what my work is is about and trying to accomplish so
0: perfect wow thanks for adding that i'm i'm glad i asked that last question (laughs) (laughs) um david thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your work
1: well thanks i hope i I hope i did well
0: (laughs) you did fantastic Um, I want to thank uh, David for joining me on the podcast. His exhibition, Continually the Unnameable Moves On, will run August 7th through August 23rd by appointment. I would also like to thank Scott David Gordon for producing the show and the Black Drum Set for letting us use their song, A Dangerous Drive, for the intro. Thank you so much.